0: Big Red Bench Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m.
1: Corks Red FM. Good evening, folks. Hope you're all well. On this Sunday evening, we're here with you until 7 p.m. Right here on the Big Red Bench. Glad you could join us this evening. A very busy show coming your way over the next 16 minutes. We are going to look back on Ireland's win over Tonga last night and how it sets things up nicely. For the clash with South Africa next week, we'll hear from Andy Farrell and Johnny Sexton. And we're going to hear from Moss Finn as well, our good pal, a little bit later on. Reaction as well from the senior hurling championship quarterfinals. Going to hear from Sarsfields after their win over the Rockies. Going to hear from the reigning champions St. Finbars, as as well. Going to talk to uh, Douglas ahead of the Premier One Minor Football Championship final tomorrow. Going to talk F1. I'm going to talk Cork City women as well. You're listening to the big red bench on Cork's Red FM. How are you doing? Hope you're all well. On this Sunday evening, Arsenal have just gone a goal up on Everton. Uh, Seventy minutes on the clock there at Goodison Park. Uh, the first uh, goal today in the Premier League after the earlier kickoff. Finish scoreless. That was Burmouth and Chelsea. Alan Seabrook.
2: Chelsea, no
3: goals, but a game packed with action in the first half. Jackson hit the post while Gallagher pulled a great stop from Neto, who was voted man of the match at the end of the day. At the other end in that first 45 minutes, Utara pulled a great stop from Sancho in the second half. The Blues had the ball in the back of the net just five minutes in. Sterling with a free kick that came back off the woodwork and whilst Colwell snaffled it into the back of the net, the goal was ruled out for offside. Neto was then in action once again just past the Hour mark as from a prone position, he managed to deny a combination of Jackson and uh, Carwell. A point in the piece then probably just about right, although Chelsea did edge things. It's Bournemouth 0, Chelsea 0.
1: Leandro Traser was who scored uh, for Arsenal. There, we'll get you a report on that one in a sixth that goal lose out for offside in the first half after Gabrielle Martinelli had scored in the championship as well. Today, Leeds United one 3-0 away to Millwall. Cork City beaten today in the FA Women's Cup. Cup they lost 5 0 to Shamrock Rovers that game held at Bishops, Town, the Hoops, uh, now joining Athlone Town, Shelburne, and Slugger Rovers in the last four elsewhere today in uh, Gaelic Games. And uh, as I mentioned at the top of the show, we're going to hear from Sarsfield after they beat Black Rock today. In their uh, pre- Co op Superstores Premier Senior Hurling Championships Clash, uh, quarterfinal clash today in Porky Cueve. Um, so uh, they will hear from Sarsfields uh, later on in the programme. The uh, second quarterfinal has just gotten underway. It's Immo taking on Douglas. It's Immo leading by uh, two points to one there in the uh, opening stages. Elsewhere in the Senior A Hurling Championship in the relegation uh, foot playoff. It finished in Ascara, three sixteen. Malat one thirteen. In the Cork Ladies Football Senior Championship, it finished there Oge one eleven. Saint Fals thirteen points. I had a four fourteen. Bride Rovers four points. At the Rugby World Cup today, South Africa have had a very very big win over Romania today in be seventy six nil. was how it finished today in Bordeaux. The Springboks had four tries on the board and secured that bonus point within 12 minutes they were clinical today so Ireland will face the spring box in Paris next Saturday Ireland had that 59-16 win over Tonga last night elsewhere today Australia and Fiji uh, locking horns today in Pool C and uh, the latest score from there is Fiji leading 19 points to 8, 52 minutes on the clock. So a really bruising encounter, on that one. Uh, but it is uh, Fiji just with their nose in front there. Elsewhere, 8 o'clock, England and Japan in Pool D golf and it was uh, the BMW PGA Championship at Wentworth uh, Dennis Kerman with Hapenie Golf, wrapping up proceedings there
4: like many times in the past it all went down to the wire at Wentworth but it was New Zealander Ryan Fox son of the legendary all black Grant Fox who deservedly saw off a quality field to claim the biggest title of his career Terrell Hatton had a two shot lead standing on the 15th tee but he drove out of bounds he eventually made a six foot putt for a terrific bogey and a birdie at the last saw him finish on seven. Seventeen under. Ryan Fox made a horror start with a triple bogey 7 on the third but he bounced back impressively with 7 birdies in the space of 10 holes to jump into the lead on 17 under par. Fox stood over his 107 yard approach at the last tied for the lead with Hatton knowing that a birdie would likely win him the title and he struck his ball to 6 feet and stroked in the birdie put for the win on 18 under par. The only player who could have caught him was Aaron Rye. He needed to make a 40 footer for an eagle but he lipped out and had to settle for second place alongside Tyrrell Hatton on 17-under. John Ram was fourth with Victor Hovland in fifth. Rory McIlroy had an excellent best of the day round of 65 that propelled him up to 13-under and into a tie for seventh place. Shane Lowry moved into contention on 13-under with four birdies and five holes from the ninth But a horrific quadruple bogey nine on the 17th, a hold that has been his nemesis all week, ended his chances of successfully defending his title. Shane Birdie the last for a round of 71 for a tied 18th finish. But it was Ryan Fox's day in the end closing out a fourth career title with a win in the DP World Tours flagship event. Reporting on the BMW PGA Championship, I'm Dennis Kerwin. Thank you, Janice Elsewhere uh, so Ferrari's
1: Carlos Sainz uh, winning the Singapore Grand Prix. The Spaniard finishing ahead of the McLaren of Lando Norris with Lewis Hamilton third in his Mercedes Max Verstappen finished fifth. It's the first time a non-Red Bull has won a race since Brazil, which was the penultimate race of last year. So, there was uh, plenty of uh, excitement. There, we're going to talk to Sarah Mackenzie Foley, our resident F1 expert, about that a little bit later on in the programme. Uh, athletics as well today. The Echo Mini Marathon. Big crowd turning out today. As always, we're on the streets of Cork City, down around the marina today uh, for the 5k race. It was Lizzie Lee, our good friend, who won the race. The Olympian finishing in a time of 17 minutes and 19 seconds just ahead of her leave team at Hannah Steed. Uh, just by about seven seconds there, I believe. Uh, so, um, congratulations indeed uh, to Lizzie Lee. Still uh, Arsenal leading uh, Everton by a goal to nil we will keep you posted on that one and Fiji leading Australian 19.28. We are going to look back at Ireland's win over Tonga though 59-16. Uh, before we hear from Andy Farrell and Johnny Sexton let's get a full-time report from a man who was in Nantes Richard McCormack.
5: Full-time in Nantes it's finished Ireland 59 Tonga 16 it's two wins out of two for Andy Farrell's men who will be at this Rugby World Cup. Maximum points as well after an eight-try haul on the Bambi night in Le Bourgeois. Added to that, Jonathan Sexton is now Ireland's all-time leading point scorer, surpassing Ronan O'Gara's record. Not his has but for Ireland's fourth try of the match two minutes before half-time. His conversion was practically Sexton's last action of the game as he was replaced by Ross Byrne at the break. Ireland's first trio of tries came inside a feckoned 12 first half-minute spell through Tyke Byrne, Caelan Dorris and perhaps most tackle. It was a near-barren third quarter for Ireland with James Lowe nabbing Ireland's fifth try, just shower of the iron Ireland. mark. Ireland's line-out was particularly impressive, offering the scoring platforms beating Bundyaki for a pair of second half tries with Rob Herring securing Ireland's eight in the final minute of the game there will be concern over Finlay Peelham who departed nine minutes after replacing Tyghe Furlong at the break while Ty Byrne kept the Ireland physios busy during the second half but it is job done here in Nantes for tonight where Ireland have beaten Tonga by 59 points to 16
1: all right, for more on Ireland's win last night, delighted to be joined on the line now by our good pal, former Munster and Ireland star, Mr Moss Finn. Moss, uh, a pleasure as always. Thanks for joining us today. No problem, Rory. All of us enjoy it. <laughs> and uh, we certainly enjoyed Ireland's performance last night, Moss. I mean, like, um, it was just what you'd want, basically, an easy win and kind of get out of it mostly unscathed.
6: Absolutely. You know, it is, it is one of those tests against a very strong Tongan team physically like, but we were clinical and we, we turned it into a rote eventually. But there were a few banana skins during it. But having said that, we kept our shape. We kept our discipline. We were clinical when we were near their line. And it was, it was a great execution against a team that could have been troublesome But the way we played. We, we, we stopped them at source and, and, and that was the bottom line we did, we did, we did very well it is a great warm up for what is to come that end the Romanian
1: matches certainly yeah no, there might have been a few kind of eyebrows raised when Andy Farrell named such a strong team um, earlier on this week however he was certainly justified because he could take off pretty much half his team at half time wrapped them in cotton wool with one eye on next week
6: yeah, he, you know, I, I keep saying it. I'm, you know, I'm like a a, a record that's stuck. Andy Farrell is a very clever man, and even against Samoa there in the warm up match, he kept the big guys on the bench in case trouble hit, and trouble did hit, anybody on the bench and we, we beat them. So no, he he's a clever man. He's giving game time to the fellows who will really really matter, and then when the gap the game was won, when there was no threat from a very strong physical side in Tonga, he gave the rest of them a gallop, you know, and he's using the panel extremely well. Maybe not all the panel, but having said that he he he's done it well and you're getting an idea of what he's about and i'm quite sure he'll have a very good plan for south africa next week as well because he is he's shrewder than any man who has ever coached ireland in the past and that i'm is, I'm, I'm certain of that and i think the world cup will show that
1: yeah and uh, yeah as you mentioned Moss, two wins out of two mean like the, the manner of ireland's performances and the manner of the wins big they wins. I mean essentially two warm up games for Ireland to start off the world cup and you couldn't ask for much more than that
6: You couldn't ask much more for that, but it it possibly might um, upset us later in the competition to a degree, perhaps, in that we've had our two sort of throwaway matches first. And now if we're going to win the World Cup, we're going to have to win to have beat five teams, world-class teams in a row, which might be a little bit more difficult. Whereas France got New Zealand out of the way early and they... They might have a couple of easy matches in between, if you get me. So we are now going to have to win five tests against top-class opposition on the trot if we were going to win the World Cup. I have no doubt we have the ability, but have we got the panel that can sustain five games in a row against the top teams in the world? That is the question mark. So it's great to have the throwaway matches, and and we got away virtually unscathed, except for Finley bielham maybe, but... We now face the prospect of five tests straight in a row and I just hope we have the panel for it and that we can, you know, if we get a few injuries, have we got the depth of, of talent to, to sustain a serious challenge against world-class opposition.
1: Well, Johnny Saxton certainly on fire uh, anyway, um, becoming Ireland's record point score last night, 1,090 now and counting. Uh, a terrific try. It was kind of ironic that it was a try that took him past one or a gar as opposed to a kick mass, wasn't it?
6: It was, and uh, it, it, absolutely, because I mean, his kicking is imperious and has been for years and years. As was O'Gara's, you know. But there was always quite a bit of rivalry between them, and I could nearly see O'Gara's O'Gara's face <laughs> in the background after he started roaring after scoring the try. Because while they are probably the best of friends, they were they were they didn't like each other when they were playing, and that's for sure, you know. But he celebrated as if he knew there was a record, like, and, and that is for certain. And as you say, it was it was perverse that was actually a try that put him over the line rather than
2: yeah.
6: rather rather than, rather than a kick but he's a superb tallies man and we need him big time like but more luck to him and and the, the best of luck to him because he is one of Ireland's great talents that's for sure
1: now there was a bit of concern, I suppose, about him heading into the World Cup, and that he hadn't played in six months due to injury and suspension. But he's uh, certainly shown that he certainly has it still at this level. Um, obviously, he's retiring at the end of this World Cup, but he seems to be very fired up and very, very focused in this tournament.
6: He is, and you know, he's he's very single-minded. Like, I mean, I I personally thought that they should have played Crowley yesterday, and um, Donald Lennon on the Examiner said they felt that he felt that picking Sexton was the right decision, but. Um, selfish uh, Sexton is a selfish man if you make it to that level you have to have a certain amount of selfishness and I can tell you I'd say he was in he was in Farron's ear all the time saying he wanted the two games you know so there's there's a little bit of both in it like and uh, we definitely need him against South Africa whether he can can he um, can he will he have the physicality for South Africa I wonder about but I would certainly have played Crowley yesterday because I felt Crowley needs more game time to go into a big test like South Africa but Sexton was trying to keep him out of that I was thinking, you know he wants his position at 10 and Crowley is a threat and maybe that's the way he saw it but whatever, I'm not always right but I would have picked Crowley I, I don't. I, and kept Sexton for next Saturday
1: Mm, be interesting to see how that goes next week against South Africa we'll talk about that in a sec but just looking back at last night's uh, performance and some big performances of Elmas Pondiake being uh, one of the main on two cracking tries last night and just a powerhouse of an 80 minutes from him
6: he's a great man in the modern game of that there is no doubt he's a wonderful talent he's single minded he's strong he's physical he can do a little bit of the out he can play 13 or he can play 12 he can bring it up or he can pass it wide probably better at holding the ball but if we go back a little bit there to the New Zealand tests last year, down under when we beat New Zealand in New Zealand for the first time ever, Aki there, in the last twenty minutes of each test, he's the go to man to hold the ball and not give away possession in tight situations. Like you can he takes the ball on in midfield, he will get over the advantage line nine times nine times out of ten. And when the bigger tests like next week are to come, he is penciled into that team number one now because when push comes to shove, and everything is falling around you. He's the go to man who will hold the ball up in the middle of the field and New Zealand, South Africa, anybody, they won't get it off him. He's a power of strength and he is an absolute marvellous addition given the farm he's in. Like he, he he's the number one name on the timesheet for next week, that would be my opinion, anyway, because he's indispensable at this stage, you know, because of his power, his vision and his ability to pass the ball as well. But more than anything than not, to hold on to the ball in tight situations.
1: And it is South Africa to come next week, Moss. Um, Look, it's a massive, massive clash for Ireland next week, a big, big test. And I suppose if you can't be fired up to face South Africa in the World Cup, then there has to be something wrong with you.
6: Absolutely. And I think this is where Farnam will come into his own again. I saw saw South Africa beat Scotland last week and they beat them well. But Scotland, it it was Scotland's own fault, in my opinion, and is is way is, is too clever for that Scotland brought South Africa onto them they kept running the ball wide with Finn Russell behind the advantage line that's food and drink to the South Africans they came up with their rush defense and they blew them back behind the advantage line because they were going too wide too early there's an old saying in rugby you have to you have to earn the right to go wide and by that means you must go wide after you go on the forward foot and there was Finn Russell, who was a great talent, but all he was doing was passing the ball wide. The South Africans knew it, and they blew them out of the water in the middle of the field. We won't be as silly as that. We'll play on the advantage line. I don't think our set piece will be in as much trouble as Scotland's was. I think we'll get our own ball in the line out and scrum, and we'll play clever rugby, and we won't be putting the ball wide without earning the right to go wide because if we start shoveling the ball wide, they start tackling us, on, us in midfield. They're going over the advantage line. Their bomb squad, as they call it, come on and they'll obliterate us. But Farrell is too clever to that. I think we have the smarts for South Africa and I think we we'll beat them because of that.
1: And if I. Sorry, Matt. Go on. Sorry. Go on. Sorry, yeah. sorry. No,
6: no, go ahead. Go ahead. You're no, okay. I was just
1: going to say if you do beat South Africa, though, the, the hype machine is going to go into overdrive with this Irish team.
6: It is, and there's a little bit in the press there. You no, know, this fellow Erasmus there is a clever guy. You know, he annoys me to a degree but he's South African to the core, obviously, and he's. They're putting out some rumour that he's coming back to Ireland next year and this type of thing. And it's it's taking away from the match. Like He's a clever operator. You saw when th- they were beaten by the Lions in the first test team, aligned the referee, and okay, he got he got fined and suspended and all that, but they won the Lions tests, you know. He's he, he's a clever guy on this extracurricular thing, all about us you know, getting him next year after the World Cup, this type of thing, as our, to replace David for Like, this is a, like, they're, they're they're sidetracking us with that kind of thing, you know, but um I think we'll have the smarts for them.
1: Yeah, it's certainly set up for uh, an absolutely uh, fascinating encounter uh next week it has to be said. Um, overall Moss, just looking at the World Cup as a whole, um, which team is I suppose in pressure the most suffer?
6: So well you'd have to be afraid of France if it came to it, you know. I like there's and there's a bit of mismatch in a lot of the matches during the week, like the likes in Namibia there were, you know, food and drink to the New Zealanders like. But I would say France ha- has France would be favorites unquestionably and that's why it's imperative that we beat South Africa next week so that we'll avoid them because I I thought you I thought I'd never say this but I would be confident of us beating New Zealand in a quarter final because the New Zealand forwards are not as strong as they used to be but I would I think we could also beat France but more later in the competition because the pressure might come on when they get to a semi final or final and they might choke a little bit like New Zealand did in 2015 so I think the further out in the competition we play France the better because there's no question or no, they're, they're, they're the favourites they're the best team but they haven't got a very deep squad either because they, they, you know, they, they didn't play well in their second match but I think they're the best that are in it. I think we're possibly the best but I'm afraid to say it but if we avoid France in the quarter final of the World Cup I think we have a great chance of winning it. It's
1: going to be a very very fascinating few weeks ahead That's Moss as always it's, uh, it's, a pleasure for uh, uh, talking to you today, sir and thank you for joining us on the Big Red Bench. No problem, more. Yeah, it is always an absolute pleasure talking to Moss Finn on uh, the big red bench. No, it's great to get his views on the World Cup. Uh, still uh, Fiji leading Australia 19 points to 8 in that game there as well. And uh, Arsenal still leading Everton by uh, a goal to nil in that Premier League game. Let's get a report there from Shane Pennington
7: visitors just when frustration was starting to grow from their point of view have found the way through courtesy of second half sub Leandro Trossard, he picked up the ball from a short corner, Martin Odegaard playing it to him on the edge of the 18 yard box and he's killed a lovely effort in off the left hand post giving Jordan Pickford no chance whatsoever, apart from that Odegaard's 18 yard effort was pushed away by Pickford earlier on but Arsenal dominated the possession and they finally have someone to show for it, it's Everton nil, Arsenal 1 all right, let's
1: get some more reaction from uh, last night's uh, game. Let's hear from uh, coach Andy Farrell and from Johnny Sexton speaking afterwards.
8: Oh, it's a bit more than that. We're not into ticking boxes. Um, we, uh, we, we we like to see and judge ourselves on how we've prepared for a tough game, which was which it was always going to be um, against a Tongan side that's raring to, to, to go with the quality that they've got and the quality and the coaching staff and you know to get the, the, the tournament up and running there was always going to be a tough challenge for us but I thought we handled uh, the game and the opponent extremely well um, even when things weren't going too well for us as in error wise etc I thought as far as control and territory wise I thought we, 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 we controlled the game really well and once we got a couple of scores up um, I thought we, we, we followed nicely and, uh, and c- controlled the game throughout. Johnny won't like to talk about this, but can you have a comment on your captain and his record breaking achievement? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, look, um, I, I think it was fitting that he had, he had nine points, hadn't he? He had nine points and equal the record, hadn't he, before he scored the try? That's what I was trying to uh, find out with the. With uh, Vinnie, our, our analyst, and um, two, two minutes later he, he scored under the post, and you just knew when we got held up and we were set to play that play is something that we, we we obviously practiced during the week, and he knows which ones to follow, and uh, uh, he, he he followed Connor uh, really well, and it was so fitting that he he he, um, he brought the. He broke the record uh, with a try like that. Um, but what I would say, and I've said to, to Johnny uh, in front of the lads in there, that uh, I mean, he can he can talk for himself. But the record's fantastic. But he'd, he'd say that um, uh, that that's his job, etc. Um, but it takes some doing. Uh, but to us, as a as a as a leader, as a player, he's um, a lot more than point scoring machine you know for for Ireland how he prepares his team and gets them up for for absolutely every game uh, selflessly is more important to I would think him and and so and certainly
5: to us Uh, Richie McCormick off the ball Johnny I am going to put you on the spot how did you feel in that moment because you spoke during the week that you weren't concentrating on records like that but when you got that try it seemed to kind of take over at the moment kind of it caught up in you
2: I was just happy to, to score the try um I think if one of the lads said it to me under the post, and um, I actually thought I might have got it on the kick before, but um, look, I, I, I think it's, it's something when you retire and you finish, you can look back on and, and be very proud. I think uh, my little boy will be over the moon, he was talking about it uh, during the week, and um, probably means more to him, um, he'll chase it down now. Um, and so the other 10s, you know, it's there to be broken now and um, I'm sure some young guys will be will eyeing be it up. And look, uh, okay, I'm very proud to 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 do it. But tonight was more about uh, getting the win and, and moving on to what's such a massive game now uh, this week. Congratulations, Andy. Just
5: as a follow-up, how's Finley feeling after that uh, being taken off 10 minutes into the second half? And I saw Ty Byrne receiving assistance a couple of times during that second half as well. Is he OK?
8: Tag burns fine, yeah. And Phil is in, in, in great spirits, so he'll um, he'll go through the protocols tomorrow. But um, uh, looking at him and, and speaking to the medics, they're, they're pretty happy with where he's at. But obviously, we'll follow the protocols properly.
2: Here we go. Johnny, tw- 20, t- uh, 20 tries for your first two matches. You must be really pleased with the start that the team has made to this competition. Yeah, look, the... the... We, we've trained uh, incredibly hard all summer um, so we're fit enough and, and able to get ourselves into position to to score tries and to, to, to put the opposition under pressure so we've done that well at times over the, the first two weeks uh, there was plenty of stuff that we'll look back on early in the game where we're going to need to be um, more accurate and, and clinical next week uh, against the, the reigning world champions and uh, yeah there's, there's plenty that we need to improve on for sure and Andy, how much better do you think your side will be from coming through this experience tonight? Um, I, well,
8: I would hope we we, we will be better um, because we'll, we'll we'll certainly need to be um, playing against a fantastic side in, in South Africa. But two two games under the belt is good for us. Um, you know, I, I, I felt for Tonga a, a little bit in the sense that they didn't get to play last week and. I think uh, once you got the first game out out of the way, that you 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 find your rhythm better, and it certainly looked like that from from our point of view. Hopefully, that rolls on um, uh, to another level on the third week, um, because um, I mean, this is this is what World Cups are all about. The weeks that are coming um, against the reigning world champions, it doesn't really get any better, you know, and. It's one thing for sure. You know that the Irish are going to turn up and enjoy it as well. Uh, so it's a fantastic week to look forward to. Johnny, how different is it facing the
2: South African defence in terms of time and space? Um, yeah, look, that's the uh, the thing that they they pride themselves on, isn't it? They've uh, they've shown that they're a tough team to play against. Um, we need to be very accurate with you know when we decide to to take it on or, or when we decide to kick um, we, we probably learnt a lot from the November international I think um, but yeah they, they try and put us under huge. they try and put everyone under a huge amount of pressure with their line speed and their their pressure at the breakdown so it's something that uh, I think very similar to what Tonga did at the, uh, in the first half w- we'll face something similar to that so um, you know good preparation uh, you know we, we took tonight's game for for. Stand alone. We wanted to to give the Tongans the respect that they absolutely deserved because they're a very good team. Um, but it's a, it's a good uh, sort of dry run for what's ahead next week.
9: Have you held much back in terms of power plays or lineup moves? Yes, loads.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Andy Farrell not giving anything away there. Uh, it's Andy Farrell, Johnny Saxon speaking after last night's win over Tonga. No at all. Moves focus to South Africa next week and while it's going to be a titanic tussle between these two sides that win South Africa had at least 12 tries in a 76-0 win with Romania in Pool B it was just uh, an incredible stuff uh, earlier on today in Bordeaux uh, elsewhere it is uh, Fiji and Australia going head-to-head and it's uh, Fiji who lead uh, as things stand at the moment um, the scoreboard has gone off the TV here, which is really annoying. They go three plays to and take the scoreboard off, but it is uh, Fiji we're leading. Uh, Australia um, but Australia have just gotten a try there to get uh, right back into it so it's uh, Fiji 22 Australia 13 um, so we can be posted on that one and Arsenal have beaten Everton by a gold So we'll get to report on that one in just a sec coming up afterwards we're going to get reaction from Saras after their win over Black Rock today we are going to hear from the Bars after their win over Charleville going to hear from Douglas ahead of the Rebelogue Premier 1 uh, football championship final tomorrow and we're going to talk Uh, from Roman Sarah McKenzie, Foley and Cork City Women with Danny Murphy as well so uh, busy half hours come on the Big Red Bench
7: Miss the show?
0: Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie Cork's Red FM Miss the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie Cork's
1: Red FM yeah, delighted you could join us on the big red bench. Australia certainly putting Fiji under pressure. Uh, Fiji 22, Australia 15. 72 minutes on the clock. Australia a converted try behind. Uh, so they're putting uh, that Fiji in defence under considerable pressure as things stand at the moment. Elsewhere, Arsenal beaten Everton. Shen Pennington
7: Everton 0, Arsenal 1. The Visitors' excellent start to the season then continues here as a solitary strike proved decisive in a game they totally dominated. Gabriel Martinelli saw a goal ruled out by VAR before Pickford denied White and Odegaard but just when their frustrations were starting to grow the second half sub Leandro Trossard it for Arsenal when he curled home from 18 yards out Everton in truth very rarely threatened as their winless start to the season continues Everton-Mill Arsenal one. Yeah, good win
1: today for the Gunners and, uh, and yes, a nice segue good win for Sarsfields today as they beat Blackrock 115 to 15 points in their cup Superstars Premier Senior Hurling Championship quarter final time it was uh, Sarsfield's uh, now advancing to uh, the semi-finals are going to face the winners of uh, Immokkilly and Douglas which is uh, currently uh, going on at the moment but uh, we had Dylan O'Connor down at uh, Parking for us today and he spoke
3: to Jan- Johnny Crowley of Sars Well John, Sars into the semi-finals of the Corp Premier Senior Hurling Championship for the first time since 2021 How are you feeling?
10: Yeah, great, great delighted to win um, you know, I suppose there's no classic out there today, but it was a game, eh, to win ugly is, is a real good sign of our team as well, you know.
3: And like a half-time when it was Blackrock came right back into the game, they were scoring in the final, no. this was the second half of the first half. What were your, I just watched to say to the players in the dressing room?
10: It's like, we didn't really, you know, we didn't really say much, to be fair, you know. We, we looked at it, we probably... We, we lost a lot of battles out there we weren't winning second phase ball and we, we felt we were being a small bit bullied out there on the ball. so we just asked them like you know just just make sure that you know in the battle that we come out with the ball and I thought in fairness in the second half we came out with a hell of a lot of ball you know
3: and like all week it was it was at the game everyone was kind of looking forward to in the city Sarah's against Blackrock a real kind of like Heavyweight clash in Cork early. What yeah.
10: was the mood like leading up to the game all week? I t- look, we just focused on our own, on our own house, and and, and, and worked on that. You know, um, we can't control Blackrock, or we can't control opposition, so we need to work on our own things. Look, it was a battle out there. It was a, a victory um, of winning ugly, and I think it's something that it'll it'll stand to us. This is a, a team that may have lost that game going down through the last few years, you know. So to come out on the right side of that was huge, and especially against the opposition of Rock. You stand behind you Douglas and then
1: to yeah, we'll review it there and we'll see where we're going. Yeah, we'll see where we're going. Brilliant, thank you. All right. That's John Croy there. I'll start still speaking uh, to Dylan on the big red bench this evening after uh, that win over Blackrock. that puts them into the semi-final and as Dylan was asking, is he going to hang on to watch uh, Imo Kelly and Douglas? Um, because as things stand, it uh, is uh, Imo Kelly who are currently leading Douglas there at the moment in the second game being played today at Parky Cueve it is uh, currently uh, after uh, at half time I should say to McKilly leading 15 points to 7. Oh yesterday the reigning champion St. Finbars marched on uh, to the semi-final talker side saw off the challenge of Charleville they won 122 to 15 points down in the park yesterday Brian Hayes with the goal for the Bears George was there for us and spoke to Bears boss George Cunningham
11: uh, George Cunningham congratulations! Um, turned it around in the second half what, what, what was said at half time because the first half like uh, Charleville really put it up to you
12: they did um, <clears throat> just Charleville played, played, played a played a, played a super game they put it, a massive challenge which you know they're physically, tactically. Um, you know we were probably looking in position just to be half time to be one ahead. Uh, you know a couple of frees that maybe that that went astray from their point of view, uh, but they stopped us from playing. They were they were physical. They were they were athletic. They were hunting the ball and like you know we got we had no time. So you know we, we were probably lucky to be a point up at half time. But I think second half I we opened it up a small but uh, got on the ball a bit better, used the space a bit better, and then you know got a couple of scores which kind of opened up the gap then to, to five or six points but you could never be settled you could never be unsure, unsure of, of how it was going to finish and then Brian got a super goal like that kind of that closed it, it up for us but uh, we came down expecting a massive battle and that's what we got
11: Was it a case of finding a rhythm in the second half because once you did that left wing right wing you were popping over scores you could see that the confidence was coursing through the team
12: Yeah yeah we've, we've been, that's what we've been trying to work on you know it's, it's, um, we've uh, again, I suppose I'm like, a, like, a, like a, I keep on saying it, like, and people are getting bored of it. But it's difficult in a situation where we go from week to week when we don't have all our players trained together, like, you know what I mean. So, um, you know, that's that's, that's challenging. But uh, again, as the game kind of opened up and we got into, we got into the flow of it. So look, I'm just delighted to be in the semi-final. You know, we're back. We've, we came on a very tough group, very tough match here tonight, and uh, looking forward now
11: to taking on Middleton
12: from a management point
11: of view getting this kind of challenge and being pushed uh, going into a game against Middleton this is really what you needed
12: oh hugely like, all the games are tough every game you play there's no easy games at this level you take your eye off the ball here for a minute and you'll be under pressure um, you know um, you see it tonight uh, yeah, you just heard the result there from, from I you heard it Lynn you know our um, out senior hurling for the first time probably ever I'm not, not sure what, what that stat is so like you know just goes to show and like Anything can happen. You, you you have to be focused on every single game. Charleville have made massive strides. First time of playing in the quarterfinal and qualifying out of the group. They came up with nothing. To, you know, had, a, had a, nothing to lose really to an extent because
11: um, you know other than get to a semi final. So fair play to them. They put up a great performance. And just finally, as you said there, that Glenn result tonight in Cantyork staying up. I mean, it just shows you the way for thin margins. now when it comes to not just hurling but football as well, like you've got to be on your game all the way through.
12: Oh yeah, it's, it's 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 every single game, you know, from the point of view. So like, it's uh, you know, it's it's we've been where to were, you know, we've been in that relegation fight, so we know what it's like going into the pressure that it brings. So it's you know, from a hurling point of view, uh, it's from a I suppose you know, I suppose from a city point of view, just you know, to have no senior team on the north side of the city probably isn't good for hurling. But you know again, Cantyork. Have been massive strides over the last number of years they've you know 8 or 10, 12 players who've played with Curling in football and they have massive massive strides so that's a, that's a great victory for them uh, but look we're, we're delighted at the end of it um, to, to be uh, going home tonight and looking forward to the semi-final All the best in that
11: semi-final Gerard thanks Thanks very much
1: Gerard coming up speaking to our Jar McCarthy after last night's win over Charleville uh, Gerard's got a
11: chance to speak to Conor Cahillan. uh Conor first of all congratulations really really excellent second half performance what was said at half time because you really kicked on
9: um, well I suppose just from the first half like we knew coming into it, the Charleville we were going to bring a massive fight to this and uh, in fairness they did they hooked block, tackled we couldn't get a ball out of the backs there in the, the first half and uh, in fairness to them they probably should have went in at half time leading they had a, a, a number of whites but uh, no just at half time I suppose we said we'd knuckle down and get a bit of hard work done and uh, probably paid off there in the end we hooked and blocked there for the first 5-10 minutes of the second half and uh, yeah we got, we got great joy out of it
11: um, there was a big win down there I mean, it wasn't really obvious up in the stands but down on pitch side so they they had a big win in the first half but he just worked better with it in the second period
9: ah uh, yeah well you know the wind really didn't have a huge factor on it i suppose we just said to ourselves at half time that like if we could up our tackle count and start working the ball through the lines that we'd get back into it and i think it, it, it worked fairly well in the second half so like you know we got lucky at times as well like so yeah, we were, we were just happy to come out the other end a bit now.
11: Good to see the scores flowing. Once you got into your rhythm like that, you, like it was the bars of all, like you were picking scores left and right, and that was key.
9: Yeah, and I suppose a big part of it as well is like we weren't relying on any one score or anything. You know, there was a good spread of scores. Um, so yeah, no, just happy to tip away you now with the, with the points in the second half and uh, it got us over the lane in the end. Just finally middle in the final something to look forward to. Yeah, something to look forward to. They got a straight semi final and they're, they're they're motoring very well at the moment, so it'll be another tough test for us, but uh we uh we'll give it a good lash anyway. Okay. Thanks, Connor. Pleasure, thanks.
1: That's Connor Collan there speaking to Jar after they win over our level one twenty two to fifteen points or so it finished. Uh the last minute it is uh, Fiji still leading Australia twenty two points. Uh so Fijian of course for a big big victory they have the ball and they're down in Australian territory so Australia need a bit of a miracle at this point to, to win that game um, elsewhere. Uh, tomorrow night sees the Rebel Oak Premier One uh, Minor Football Championship final take place. It's uh, Douglas against St Finbar as we heard from the bars yesterday. We're going to hear from Douglas now earlier on today. I spoke to Douglas boss Richard Barry. All right, the Rebel Oak Premier One Minor final taking place tomorrow evening in Porkywin. Douglas and St Finbar's going head to head. Eight o'clock the start time for that one tonight. Now to be joined on the line by Richard Barry of Douglas. Richard, thanks for talking to us today on the big red bench.
0: No bad at all. really no bad at all.
1: Uh, tell me, I'd imagine the excitement this week in training, the lads looking ahead to a final, must have been something else.
0: Uh, There's a great pause. There's a great pause. in good form, you know. A couple of headaches, all right, you know, between a couple of players. Who to start, which is good, with two injuries, you know, as you know, in the last game with Sean Corkey, who was the minor, clock captain, and uh, Fionn Nash. And, you know, we thought, like, you know, we'd be under pressure, but we still have a few headaches with a couple of more players come back from injury and, you know, there's, there's a good buzz there. Um, I suppose it's a 50-50 game, really. Yeah. Uh, the Bars are going well, too, you know. Yeah,
1: exactly. And as you mentioned, uh, there were just the injuries that you did pick up. I mean, like how much of a blow was that for you at the time? And I suppose um, how was, uh, I suppose it presents an opportunity I suppose, for other lads in the squad to step up.
0: That's what. It's, that's it. That's what it, exactly. You know, uh, Sean was a big one. You know, he was probably our top scorer in, in, in the championship so far. Um, he was on the freeze in the forty-five. You know, with a couple of lads in training. You know, him and there's a go few can can do the same thing. You know, so they just have to stand up now and and go for it. Um, there's a couple of another one or two or after coming in as well. You know, um, another big players who missing. So we're kind of. We're just looking forward now to getting them out in the field and getting them to the right lash. Uh,
1: and as you mentioned, you do have a, a couple of nice selection headaches. I suppose at the end of the time, the strength of your squad. I mean, like, do you tell the lads today who's starting, or do you wait until you get to the ground tomorrow? Uh,
0: Saturday. But I'd say they have a good, they, they have a good idea themselves. You know.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: You know, yeah, you know, from kind of laying them out and training and to kind of not, not really it's there.
1: And um, I suppose um, being the defending champions, there was always kind of a target on your back. I suppose all this year, but you, you've had a fantastic year so far.
0: We well, have. Yeah, we did. We did well. No, you know, um, at the start, we we thought we were leaving in too many goals. Really, uh, we left we left in four against Colleague you know, which we weren't happy with. And we kind of going into the semi final against Valleys, our aim was to leave in no goals, and you know, we did we did that. You know, we held them to eight points and. You know, we were happy with that, so that's kind of where I am now going into the final, uh, just tighten up there, you know, we're kind of, we were, it's, mm-hmm. same as the bars, like they play nice football, similar enough to ourselves really, you know, so their scores would be kind of high enough really, you know, they'd be kind of getting kind of 115, 114, kind of, that kind of score going to most games until they got, played Mallow, you know, in their all semi-final, which was kind of a hammering, which was a bit of a shock to everyone really.
1: Mm. And as you say, look, a big win over Valleys As a manager, Richard, what's more pleasing to you? The three seventeen you scored, or the just the eight points that you conceded?
0: Eight points, you know, and as well, you know, Sean only got uh, three scores in that match. So the, you know, the the kind of three fourteen came from other players, which is kind of which was pleasing too you know.
1: Exactly, and as you mentioned, just Saint Finbars, uh, very very strong at this level as well. And you you on it a couple of times there, just how strong they are and how tough a game it is going to be tomorrow night.
0: Oh, it's going to be 50-50, you know. That's, it's going to be a tough game. I know, all, i I seen all them young fellas playing down through the years. I'm with the Rebelo, I would know most of them, you know. And they'd know us as well. They'd know all our legs as well, you know. Players and coaches, really.
1: Mm, exactly, yeah. And uh, obviously the game being played in Parky, you're in um, city rivals going head-to-head. So there should be a big crowd there tomorrow night as well, which will help.
0: This should be, This should be, hopefully.
1: Hopefully. Yeah, exactly, yeah. All right, Richard, thanks for that. I uh, appreciate it. Very best luck tonight. No, at all thanks
0: very much
1: yeah great chat to, uh, to Richard uh, Barry there of Douglas uh, very best luck to them very best luck to the Bars uh, in tomorrow night uh, Premier 1 uh, minor football championship final the Rebel Oak Premier 1 minor football championship final uh, being held at Park Green very very best of luck indeed uh, to both sides heading into tomorrow night's game. Now we're going to talk f one the Singapore Grand Prix. Wasn't won by Max Verstappen, much to my surprise. Sarah McKenzie Foley, our resident F1 expert, was on the line with me earlier on today to talk us through it. Going to talk Formula One now, and uh, we're joined by our resident Formula One expert, Sarah McKenzie Foley. Sarah, it's happened, it's finally happened. First time in 15 races since Brazil 2022, a non-Red Bull has won a race that is cause for celebration, surely.
13: It is. I mean, shout out to Red Bull for having a bad weekend and letting the rest of them <laughs> uh, have a chance. I think that's the irony. But no, it was it was a really really good race. I think you know there was stuff there for for the neutral. There was stuff there for the diehard Ferrari fans, and even if you like to get really technical and strategic, the way the Ferrari managed that race was uh, was pretty impressive.
1: Yeah, let's talk about that actually and how Ferrari got their man um, to the uh, checker flag because as you mentioned, Sarah, very, very impressive from them.
13: Yeah, I mean, we've seen them make a couple of errors you know, over the past two seasons in particular when it comes to strategy but they absolutely played a blinder today and to be fair to Carlos Sainz, he stayed very calm throughout. He was essentially told, you're going to have to back up the pack so that there's no gaps available for people to undercut us by getting an early pit stop in. And he did that and still managed to maintain the lead. You know, he had to deal with a restart as well, which is obviously, you know, a pressure situation. And even in the end, he did uh, his old teammate, Lando Norris, a favour and let him get a bit of DRS to try and hold off the two Mercedes. So, yeah, absolutely played a blinder Ferrari this weekend. I think the only... The main downside, I think, for them will be Leclerc. He was, you know, just very unfortunate when he did come into pit. They double stacked the cars and he lost a couple of positions just due to traffic. But overall, I think they'll be really happy. we
1: have talked at length on this podcast, or podcast on the show, I should say, about mm. um, the the Red Bulls and their dominance of the sport and the fact that I, I, I've said it to you a couple of times that I've I found Formula 1 boring as a result of, of, mm. of Red Bulls' dominance of the sport this year. What is a result like this going to do, I suppose, for that kind of thing?
13: I think, well, you know, first of all, there was a chance that they could have won the Constructors' title for the year this weekend. There was kind of three mathematical situations where... They could have won it, and I think it's good that they haven't because even if it is a foregone conclusion, having something like that tied up so early in the season just it doesn't feel good, you know, for the sport. And I think they will still win it, but at least now you're looking at, you know, you're looking at your Ferraris, your Mercedes, who's going to pick up that second and third spot. So I think it's, you know, I think it's just good for for the general interaction and you know the excitement during the race today was as you said, something we haven't seen for a really long time.
1: And there's something, I suppose, I don't want to say romantic about a Ferrari on the the first, the of the podium, (laughs) but there is, isn't there?
13: There is, 100%. I mean, there's a reason why they have such a passionate and global following. You know, their history in in the sport is just absolutely undeniable. I think they're probably the first name that anyone thinks of when you say Formula One is probably Mm. Ferrari. And, you know, that's well-earned. They've had a really successful history. And I think the question now maybe is, do they need to pick a first and second driver in a very explicit way going forward? I think there's there's an interesting conversation to be had there about that because it sort of swings and roundabouts with the two of them. But at the moment, Carlos Sainz is, is very much in that kind of front position for sure.
1: Yeah, his second when he won the British Grand Prix last year I was going to be... Um... Brimming with confidence after uh, today's win, but just on Max Verstappen, obviously ten consecutive victories for him. He's obviously going to be annoyed. It wasn't eleven, but to start from eleven to finish fifth, just uh, I, sh- I suppose it shows the quality uh, that he has.
13: Completely, particularly you know when you look, you're comparing him to to Checo Perez, who finished outside of the points and had a really bizarre incident with Alex Albon as well. That you know, massively disadvantaged the Williams. So I think it it was a really good recovery drive, it has to be said, from Max Verstappen. And it's just very interesting we haven't heard him sound, you know, that frustrated, particularly yesterday, uh, in a very long time. And he says that he prefers to race at the front, and that's understandable. But I think just generally... Removing the assumption of that Red Bull dominance this weekend has done wonders for for pretty much everyone that watches Formula One.
1: Yeah, it certainly does. Uh, that Singapore track nighttime race—it's always very, very exciting, isn't
2: it?
13: Yeah. To be fair, I mean they they made some changes this year, and there were less, I would say, you know, race-ending incidents. There were, if anything, there were drivers making errors because things were just really tricky, and the conditions are obviously pretty grueling but yeah it's my favourite night race of the year I absolutely love it and it kind of it always delivers something
1: uh, It certainly did yesterday Sarah when Alan Stroll crashed in our qualifying in a pretty horrific looking incident
13: Yes um, he actually he didn't race today I suppose partially due to you know the soreness and the stiffness that he, he was feeling after that crash and also because you know, for anyone that saw the pictures of the car, it would have needed a, a very, very significant rebuild. So they decided not to run him today. And I think that's fair enough. I mean, it's it it looks awful, but it's also a very positive thing in the sense that he wasn't hurt mm. and the main protective parts of the car in the cockpit did stay completely together. So, you know, there's, there's multiple scenarios in which that would have been a lot, lot worse. And we we're just very lucky, I think, that the, the safety and the technology has come along the way that it has.
1: Yeah, that always fascinates me, Sarah, when you see a crash like that at that speed and you see what's left of the car. And for the driver just to pop out of the car seemingly unhurt, yeah. it's just incredible.
13: It really is. And it is a testament, you know, it's something that luckily we don't have to talk about very often, but it's a testament to the work that goes on behind the scenes, all the people that are dedicated specifically to that safety point. It's just so, so important because, you know, without it, as I say, we'd uh, we'd be having, you know, kind of much more troubling conversation. so yeah really happy that he was able to walk away from that one
1: A lot of the tweets then under um, videos of the incident are suggesting that uh, Lance isn't good enough to be a Formula 1 driver and he's only there because of his father and that maybe he should look at uh, maybe retiring at the end of the season
13: Yeah I mean this sort of this question kind of comes up every year almost with Lance stroll and you know people a lot of people aren't even aware he's literally on a rolling contract and i don't mm. think that has ever happened before in <laughs> formula 1 uh, no one sees, should ever be that safe and i i wonder whether it's a combination of you know just not quite being up there on the talent scale versus not necessarily feeling under as much pressure as the average driver would but it's, he's always sort of batted away those comments and said look I'm going to keep doing it as long as, as I can and he's in a position to do that so I think it's just a really it's a very unusual and kind of tricky situation but you do kind of start to think what could someone else do in that seat.
1: Exactly yeah well he's got a, a week now to get ready for uh, less than a week to get ready for Suzuka um, the race is coming thick and fast I suppose and that Suzuka circuit always something special as well so it should be a good race again next week.
13: Yeah, absolutely. It's great to to be racing in Japan. I think, again, a very kind of historic place. And, you know, there's positive and negative kind of pinnacles for, for the sport there. But it does always produce something. And it's just a really cool spot to, to race in as well. I know the drivers really enjoy the challenge. So it'll be interesting to see whether we do get back to that Red Bull dominance mm. or whether the track isn't going to suit them kind of in a similar way to Singapore
1: and not so good when you have to get up at 6 in the morning to watch the race I don't know that's the only thing
13: <laughs> <laughs> yes setting the alarm
1: <laughs> alright Sarah as always a pleasure we'll talk to you after uh, next week's race again thanks sorry. yeah always a pleasure having Sarah McKenzie-Fully on to uh, talk F1 and a uh, great great uh, Singapore Grand Prix today mostly because Max Verstappen didn't win he'd won 10 straight in a row um, up until today and it's good to see Carlos Sainz get uh, on the top step of that podium and uh, take uh, the victory. Um, so, uh, yeah, we'll be on to Sarah next week after uh, the uh, J- uh, Japanese Grand Prix starting at 6am next Sunday uh, morning. Right, uh, nearly out of time on the show. Uh, we are going to look back at the Women's FA Cup today. And it was uh, Cork City and Shamrock Rovers' uh defeat in, in the end um, for uh, Cork City. Shamrock Rovers uh, winning by five goals to Nelson. They're now into the semi finals and uh, they'll be joined in the draw by Shelburne Athlone and uh, Sligo Rovers. That game uh, being moved to uh, Bishopstown because the uh, pitch had across to a uh, fairly bad pounding after a Friday night's uh, win as uh, Cork City beat Wexford in the men's quarter final. So game moved to uh, Bishopstown today. City beaten though today, and uh, afterwards
3: uh, Dylan spoke to City boss Danny Murphy. Well Danny update at the office? What's your thoughts on the game?
14: To be honest, I actually, thought we played really well in the game. I don't think the scoreline reflects how we played. I think you know second half I thought for the first say 25 minutes I thought we were excellent we looked like the team who was going to go on and you know score a goal but on another day them two shots that hit a crossbar go in and you're then back in the game and I think first half we've done well we just got caught out they've got a bit of quality in the forward areas that when they create chances it leads to something and we need to be a bit tidier when we're going forward with the ball um, but in terms of like our organisation how we set up to go and play I thought we got everything right we just it's a little bit, you know, of um, probably naivety because we've got some younger girls as well. But for me, like, I, don't, I just don't think the scoreline reflects the performance.
3: Like, is it hard for you coaching a group when you like with your, when you look at your current form and like how the season has gone?
14: No. You know, I know what we know the things we need to keep improving on and I think that today shows we can compete against teams and we can get to a stage and we've just got to keep improving I think that we've improved like if I go back to shells at the first game of the season to where we're at now we're a completely different team you know, we don't give up when we can see goals and I think that in terms of the desire to want to run around, work hard and do the right things we've got that in a team we just need to tidy up things a bit more technically and improve and get some positive results.
3: Like, what do you say to the players? Like, I know the average age, I think, today was 19, was the average age in starting 11. Like, it must be hard for the players when they turn up every week and, like, they've lost... They've only won one win since the league restarted.
14: Yeah, course, yeah, it's hard for everyone, I think. Look, but we, we stick together, like, and when we lose, we lose together. Like, when the girls there today, we lost the game. Like, you know, we've all lost the game. We're all disappointed. But at the same time, there's so many more positives to take out of it. Like, the, the things we did in the second half and how we pressed them and how we won the ball back and some of our play was really good then we just got the decision making and you know f- final pass if we can tidy up on that and they create goal scoring opportunities but, but I think when your luck's not in and when you hit the crossbar and you get it you, you'd probably get it back to 2-1 and you do it like two minutes later and it still doesn't go in and you're like going you do need a little bit of luck as well like what's
3: the plan out for the off season I suppose like when you look at a team like this you look what Rovers did last season like do you think this team is crying out for investment or is it, are you happy with the current progress of just bringing through young players and hopefully this leads to something in the future
14: no, look. We we look, between myself and the club, we're speaking about things and we're trying to organise some things to potentially bring some players in. And you know, we need to strengthen. We think we know we've got a really good core group of players, and we need to develop that and improve some some more quality coming in. It, it's not easy when you have got like a girl who's 15, just turned 16 in goal, and like she was brilliant. She can't do anything for any of the goals. She, you know, you can't look at things like that all the time. and bit about age. Like, I think that. Heidi Mackin, excellent today. Uh, I think, you know, you look at Ellie O'Brien, very, very good again. You know, like, Eva's still a young girl. Like, the, the three of them in midfield, I thought, second half, i what we wanted to do. And they pressed and they drove us on and they tried to get us in the game. And we can add a bit of maybe experience and a, something else in the off-season. Then I think then we can go and really kick on as a club. Brilliant. Thank you. Yeah, great to hear from uh, Danny Murphy there, uh,
1: despite uh, Cork City losing today. Thanks to Danny for talking uh, to us after going out of the FAI Cup to Shamrock Rovers. Um, That's pretty much it from us uh, on the big red bench uh, this evening. Uh, Thank you very much indeed for listening to our show we we'll be back next Saturday and Sunday uh, from 6 to 7pm uh, and it's going to be another busy, busy weekend of sports coming your way. It's uh, heading into uh, the second half uh, down in Parquay-Quaive. It is uh, Imokili leading Douglas 16 points to 7 is so how I think stands there at the moment. So Douglas with a big... Uh mountains climb in the second half there if they're to get back into that game thanks very much folks uh, thanks for joining us on this Sunday evening we're back uh, next weekend Mags is up next with three hours of the very best in Irish music uh, coming your way on Cork's Red FM so enjoy that and um, we'll talk to you next weekend folks enjoy the rest of your evening
0: The Big Red Bench Saturday and Sunday from 6pm Cork's Red FM